Hey, we uh, started a series last week called The Puzzle of Purpose, and what I know to be true is that regardless of, you know, maybe you're, maybe you're here this morning and you were like practically dragged into this room and, and you're just kind of kicking the tires and you don't even know what you believe about God or the Bible or Jesus. And what, what I know to be true of you, regardless of how religious you are or irreligious you are, is every single person in this room has a need for purpose. In fact, I mean, sociologists, all kinds of secular scientists have studied this. We have to have a, 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 a driving purpose in our lives. Or, or if, our, if our lives begin to feel meaningless, it all goes south real quick. The problem is that many of us in our culture, when we're looking for purpose, is we, we've believed this lie that you can find your purpose by looking within yourself. And that sounds nice. I mean, it sounds, you know, find your purpose by looking within yourself. That sounds, that sounds really cool until you really stop and step back and think about this. I mean, I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer here this morning, but the truth of the matter is, and if you've been around Journey, you've heard me say this so many times, the mortality rate still hovers right around 100%. Meaning that, and we don't like to hear this, but meaning that we, we live and we die. Apart from Jesus coming back, it's been true of every person who has walked this earth. And the Bible says that our lives are like a vapor. <laughs> this is so exciting, isn't it? You're like, thank you so much for this encouragement. <laughs> Feel so much better about myself. Like we're here today and we're gone tomorrow. And so think about as mere mortals who are, according to the Bible, like vapors, like how in the world can we think that we can find a purpose worth holding on to that gives meaning to our lives by looking within ourselves? It's ridiculous. It's, as the old people say, hogwash, right? So why, why wouldn't you rather seek to find your purpose in the ageless, eternal, everlasting creator of the universe who, oh, by the way, actually shaped you and created you even while you were in your mother's womb? Why would you not look to him and say, hey, I don't necessarily know you, I don't know that much about you, but I'm looking for meaning, I'm looking for purpose. Would you show me my purpose? Would you show me my meaning? And here's what I would submit to you. When you, when you start asking that question of God, he will start giving you some answers. It doesn't happen immediately. You don't ask the question, and God, God has this way of sometimes taking his time and answering our questions, right? Don't you love that about him? I often don't love that about him. But he, if you will ask him those types of questions, he will answer you. Last week, we started the series by looking in Ephesians chapter 4. We actually went verse by verse, uh, starting with verse 1, and worked our way through verse 13. And if you weren't here, I highly encourage you to go back, and you can watch that. You can go to YouTube. You can go to our website and, and watch that first message. But basically, here's the cliff notes. In verse 1, the apostle Paul is writing, and he says, listen, I urge you, and he's speaking to active followers of Jesus. He says, I urge you, I beg you. The King James Version is, I beseech thee. He's really amped up about this. He goes, I want you to live a life worthy of your calling. I beg you to live a life worthy of your calling. And then he makes a statement at the end of verse one. He says, he says you have all been called by God. The, the person sitting next to you, the person in front of you, the person behind you, you have been called by God, meaning you have purpose. 
If you look at the very beginning of the letter that, that we're talking about, Ephesians chapter 4 and chapter 1, we realize that we've been blessed by God, that we've been called by God, that he loves us, that he has forgiven us, that he's redeemed us, that he's adopted us into his own family. I mean, this is incredible, that you have been called by God. It's absolutely incredible. And then just a couple verses later, in verse 7, he says, God has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Through the generosity of Christ, if you are a follower of Jesus, you have received a special gift. And this is even besides salvation. I mean, besides having your sins forgiven, God has given you a gift. And I would submit to you that when you realize the gift that God has given you, and you, and you uh, take that along with the calling, purpose just begins to emerge. What is my purpose? To find your purpose, understand the gifts that God has given you. He spells out these gifts, in, beginning in verse 11. He says, now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. And by the way, the word church here isn't building or institution. It's not a political system. The word church is simply, it's, the Greek word is ekklesia. It's a gathering. It's an assembly of believers, and so this morning, apart from the structure and apart from, you know, me or any kind of bureaucracy, like God has given gifts to this gathering of Jesus' followers. And the gifts that he's given are, and we see them here, the apostle, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. And their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Now, I mentioned this last week that if you haven't seen this list of gifts before, maybe at first you're kind of like, oh, I can't wait. God's given us gifts. I want to know about these gifts. And then when I started listing them, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, some of you went, that, that's not the kind of gift uh, set I was looking for, right? I was looking for something a little sexier, bigger, better, shinier, right? I was looking, looking for something that, that, that doesn't sound so exciting, but listen, Jesus is the giver of good and perfect gifts. And his wisdom is way beyond our wisdom. And his thoughts are way beyond our thoughts. And his ways are way beyond our thoughts. And so here's, here's what I, I wonder. And this is, I'm just speaking of me as I've looked at this. I think one of the reasons why this hasn't been such a big deal to me growing up is because I wonder if the enemy of my soul, Satan, hasn't wanted to blind me to the importance of these gifts. Like they are so important and they're so important to, to, to realizing who God is and, and the calling that God has upon my life and the purpose that God has upon my life. But also when I begin to understand these gifts and step into these gifts and as you begin to understand the gifts and step into the gifts and we all start exercising and developing these gifts, the church, this gathering of Jesus followers is made more mature. And that's ultimately one of the things that God wants for us. Each one of these five gifts has a distinct viewpoint, but put together, they vividly show off God's glory. And so what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks is we're going to unpack these gifts. I'm not going to go in the order that Paul did in verse 11. I'm going to go, I'm going to take kind of a different approach. And so today we're going to start with the first gift that we're going to talk about today, the first piece of this puzzle of purpose. We're going to talk about the gift of evangelism, the gift of evangelism. Now, uh, I had several months ago, I had a, a, a young adult who has become a follower of Jesus recently. He, uh, uh, I've been meeting with him, and, and he said, hey, I had this dream. And I'm like, okay. And he goes, so in this dream, God told me that I'm going to be an evangelist. I'm like, 
that's pretty awesome. And he goes, well, I never, can, I'd never heard of that word before. Now, that's crazy, isn't it? He goes, that might as well have been a word Spanish or French or German. Like, I had no idea what this word was. When he woke up, he actually still remembered the word. And he goes, Ken, I don't, I don't remember my dreams. I woke up, I remembered this word evangelism, I looked it up, and he goes, and I was blown away. Now, some of you in this room, you have heard the word evangelist. And maybe you have a positive image or a positive picture of what an evangelist is. Maybe some of you in this room have a negative perception of what an evangelist is for some of us depending on your generation when you think of an evangelist maybe you think of this like crazy charismatic almost cult leader dressed in a white suit waving his white coat jacket like all the all over the place and so for you that's your picture that's your image of an evangelist and you hear me talking about the gift of evangelism and you go uh, no thank you I, I don't want that now Problematic is also the fact that some of you actually have a super positive image of an evangelist. For those of you who are old enough in this room, maybe you remember the evangelist Billy Graham. And you remember this man who just with all humility would preach in front of sometimes hundreds of thousands in some situations overseas, even millions of people. And people would give their lives to Jesus by the thousands. I have so many uh, friends who actually, one of my dearest friends, Norma Harmon, came to faith in Christ through a Billy Graham crusade. I think that's so cool, right? And so, I mean, God used him in a mighty way. But here's the problem with this is some of us, when we hear the word evangelism, we think of Billy Graham and we go, I could never be that. So it's either I don't want to be that because of the negative perceptions or because of the positive perceptions, maybe we go, I could never be that. I mean, that's way beyond me. I mean, I just work at Whirlpool, right? Like I, like I could never do that. And so what is an evangelist? Well, in verse 11, the Greek word that is used here literally means one who brings or proclaims the gospel or good news. It's just simply somebody who brings or proclaims the good news of who Jesus is. You don't have to dress different. You don't have to start using bigger words that you didn't use before. Just in the style that God has created you with your personality, it's somebody who just simply communicates the good news of Jesus. Evangelists are burdened to reach people not following Jesus. They love sharing the gospel and equipping others to do so. Evangelists insist that the church is hospitable for those who are on the margins of faith. And they call our communities to care for those who are far from God. So maybe you're sitting here this morning, you're going, well, I don't know, like, could God give me that gift? I would submit to you, if you're an active, actual follower of Jesus, probably there's a good chance that about a fifth of us, God has given you this gift. He has given you the gift of evangelism. Now, here's the thing, and I mentioned this last week, and unfortunately, I'm probably going to mention it every single week. Just because you have the gift doesn't mean that it is fully formed or developed yet. I have many muscles in my body that I promise you they are, in fact, in my body. They exist. I have them in my person right now, but because of a neglect of exercise, they aren't as developed as they would be for someone like Andrew who is back there somewhere, he'll get this later, right? So, so here's the thing, 
God may gift you with evangelism. That doesn't mean that, that you're fulfilling it, that you understand it, that, that you're exercising it, that it's fully developed. And that's one of the reasons why here as a church, we're supposed to help you to grow in that gift of evangelism. So here's maybe some, some I'm gonna give you a couple questions, yes or no questions. And depending on how you answer these, maybe these questions will help you to determine, maybe I do have this gift. Uh, number one, do you spend lots of time with people who do not, follow Jesus? Do you find yourself just spending lots of time with people who do not follow Jesus? Number two, do you love, that's just yes or no. Number two, do you love sharing God's good news and are you fairly natural in how you do it? Like you're not clunky, it's not awkward, like you just find that there's a natural flow to how, how when you're sharing Jesus with other people, yes or no. Number three, are you regularly encouraging other Christian friends to share their faith? Number four, do you get irritated when churches or ministries don't communicate in a way that makes sense to outsiders? Yes or no? Now, if you answered yes to most of these questions, you might have this gift. And it's something to think about. And it's really something, if you're a follower of Jesus, just ask, just ask God, God, is this a gift that you've given me? So the foundational truth behind this idea of the gift of evangelism is this, that God wants every person to hear about his good news. I love what Paul wrote to the young pastor Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter two. Paul says this is good and it pleases God our savior, and listen to this, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. For there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus, And he, Christ Jesus, gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message that God gave to the world at just the right time. See, the truth of the matter is God sees our reality. He sees your reality and my reality, and he created us to know him. In fact, the beginning of the the, scripture says that in in the beginning, Adam and Eve would actually walk with God. Like, this was God's intent from the very beginning, that we would know God. Not just have facts or information about him, that we would experience him. But the truth of the matter is every person in this room, myself included, I'm the chief, we've gone our own way. We've gone our own direction. We've decided at times, God, I know better than you. And so maybe like me, you found yourself in a corner and you find yourself full of pride or maybe it's greed Maybe it's a lack of compassion from other people. Maybe you find yourself judging people or you find yourself consumed with lust or you bend the truth to make yourself look better in front of other people. You know, all of those things are sin. And the truth of the matter is, if we're honest with ourselves, we are all sin-stained and sin-covered. And, and that's the bad news. The good news is that God sees us in our sin and he loves us. And he loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus to come into this world. And Jesus taught and he performed miracles and he healed people. He did all those things for sure. Showed his authority over demons. Absolutely incredible. The greatest man who ever walked this earth. But even beyond that, Jesus, who never sinned, went to the cross willingly. It seems like he was forced, but he went to this willingly of his own accord And at the cross, he took upon himself the curse of my sin and the curse of your sin. He took the punishment of our sin upon himself. And in that place of dying on the cross, literally suffocating to death, he's even separated from his heavenly father. 
At one point he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Like it's not just that he experiences this physical agony, but he experiences the spiritual agony of being separated from his heavenly father. And then he dies. He's put in a borrowed tomb. And on the third day, he's resurrected from the grave, which we are going to celebrate in such an extraordinary way in a few weeks. Can you believe it's coming this quickly? March 31st is Easter, and we're going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. But at the resurrection, Jesus proves his authority and power over sin, that he has the incredible authority to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you, and to bring peace with God and to put inside of you a purpose for living. Now this is the premise, this is the foundational truth for evangelism. That, and and here's, a, here's a crazy thing, every single follower of Jesus is called to share this news. Every one of us, everyone, turn to the person next to you and say everybody. Everybody. Everybody is called to be a witness, every follower of Jesus is called to be a witness to others of what Jesus has done. And some of you are going, but wait a second, I thought you said that there's this gift of the evangelist, and, and that's just one of the five gifts, so if everybody is called to share their faith in Jesus Christ with other people, what's the difference between them and an evangelist? An evangelist is someone who is uniquely gifted by God with a distinct viewpoint of evangelism, and they are actually, because of how red hot their passion is for, for letting other people know the good news of Jesus, they rub off on the rest of us. Now here's the thing, you won't necessarily have a dream like my friend did. I wish it worked that way. I wish, like Oprah, I could just say, everybody gets a dream tonight. <laughs> and when you wake up, you'll know what your gift is. It, it doesn't, I mean, for my friend, it, I don't even know why God chose to work in that way. I, I haven't had that kind of uh, uh, reality in my life, but, but here's what I do believe. If you'll ask God, he'll show you. And, and, if, and if you feel like maybe... God has called you and gifted you with this gift of evangelism. There, there's a couple things that I want you to pay attention to. I think these are things, if you pay attention to, they will help you to develop this gift, to exercise this gift. Now, here's a cool thing. Because we're all called to share our faith, these are truths that are actually good for all of us. They're especially true for those with the gift of evangelism. Are you all with me? So to help us with these, I, I had some boring statements. My friend Kevin said, do you know if you put those in the right order, they actually spell the word tacos? And I was like, you are brilliant, my friend. And so uh, everybody likes tacos, right? Yeah, so um, I'm hungry, so you guys could just sit there for a minute. So uh, when you think about a taco, uh, it's, yeah, you're like, that's actually a taco. <laughs> We're going to use tacos as an acronym to help us to understand some truths that can help us to develop and exercise this gift of evangelism. So if you, if you follow along in your notes, there's some fill-ins here. Letter T, T for tacos, stands for timing. Everybody say timing. 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 Here's one of the incredible things about those with the gift of evangelism can often, and again, this is something you develop and you exercise, but often can, can understand those God-ordained moments where someone is at a personal crossroads and is probably more open to hearing about the good news of Jesus than at other times. There are, the Bible talks about chronos moments and kairos moments. Chronos moments are just 
Chronos is, is this idea of, of, of seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, right? Kairos, on the other hand, are these moments that we would call them suddenly moments. They're, they're here today, and you can lasso it, and you can take advantage of this moment, or if you don't, it's going to go right by, and you'll never get that moment again. These Kairos moments. And those who are gifted in evangelism have this uncanny ability to know this is a Kairos moment in somebody's life where there's an openness to the gospel that they might not otherwise have. And God will give you these opportunities with other people. And he'll prompt you to seek out these opportunities to talk to unbelievers about spiritual matters. And so when we think about tacos, and these are ways to help us in exercising this gift of evangelism, the T stands for what? Okay, now we're going to talk about A. The A in tacos stands for adapting. Adapting. And, and those with the gift of evangelism should look for ways to adapt the gospel message so that it connects with people's needs. And if you study scripture, you'll see Jesus was a master of this, right? Like Jesus didn't talk to every person the same way. If you look in John chapter 3, the gospel of John chapter 3, Jesus has a conversation with a Pharisee named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is searching for truth, but he comes to Jesus under the cloak of darkness because he doesn't want any of his Pharisee buddies to know that he's rubbing shoulders with Jesus. And Jesus has a conversation with Nicodemus. If you flip the page of John chapter 4... Jesus meets a Samaritan woman and he talks to her, totally not, not talking to her as she, like she's uneducated compared to Nicodemus. He just talks to her in a different way. He brings up different topics. And so those with the gift of evangelism understand the importance of adapting the message to the people they're talking to. The apostle Paul did this. Uh, when he was talking to the people in Mars Hill in Acts chapter 17, he talks to them different than he talks to people in Ephesus. And so it's so important if you have the gift of evangelism that you adapt. The message stays the same. It's the same truth. It's the same word of God. But we can adapt it differently to the people that we're having conversations with. Does that make sense? Some of you are giving me really like ugly um, faces right now. So I hope maybe that just means you're thinking really hard, okay? Some of you, you need to work on your resting face. Okay. So T stands for tacos, right? Tacos. T stands for what? A stands for adapting. C is going to stand for creativity. Creativity. This kind of goes along with the idea of adapting, but it's this idea that you don't need to be someone else. And I see this, I've been pastoring now for 25 years, and I see this when people, especially are young in their faith, and oh God, I got the gift of evangelism. What they do is they say, well, I'm going to find somebody else who has the gift of evangelism, and I'm just going to be just like them. And I'm saying, no, 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 don't do that. God gave you a unique personality, and he's given you experiences that I've never had. And so you be you. Don't you, if you would never use the words that I use in a sermon, because I've been told I use big words and I need to stop it, but if you would never use those words, then, then don't use the words that you would use, right? Like be you. You're unique. God created you. He loves you. He's given you that personality. And so lean into his creativity and just feel the freedom to share Christ in a way that is in alignment with the way that God created you, right? Okay, so tacos, T stands for? A stands for? C stands for? Okay, O is gonna stand for openness. And openness is this idea, and this is especially effective when you can be open and transparent and share from your own story. This is how this usually works for me is in a conversation, I try to listen way beyond, I'm way beyond the point that I'm comfortable listening, right? And so you just get used to saying, and what else? 
And you really do try to listen. You just pay attention. You just keep listening. And then when you get to the place where they're done sharing their story and they're done talking about their issue, you just say, you know what? And, and this is so key. I just say, you know what? I could never imagine what it's like to go through that. Don't ever say, I know exactly how you feel. You don't. You say, well, I had a loved one. You know, I, I had a, a loved one die as well. Well, even if you both have the same type of, you just don't know. You couldn't possibly know. And so, so what I'll usually say is, you know, I can't imagine what you're going through. But it sounds like you're really struggling with insecurity, or you're really struggling with fear, or you're really struggling with depression, or you're really struggling with whatever. And can, I just, can I just open up and just share with you about a time I was going through that and how God met me? And if God would meet me in that insecurity or that fear or that whatever, I know that he wants to meet you. I, want, I know that he wants to show himself strong in your life. See, openness is so key that we, lin- we listen, okay? We don't interrupt them in the middle of their story. We listen to them. We empathize with them. I'm so sorry you're going through that. I can't even imagine. That's really gotta suck. I hate that you're having to go through that. I, I can't imagine what you're going through, but I do know, you know, I've gone through loss, and this is how God has been at work in my life, and it hasn't been easy. So tacos, T stands for? A stands for? C stands for? O stands for? And the S is I'm cheating a little bit because I'm going to give you a couple words. It stands for seek the spirit. Seek the spirit. See, here's the thing with evangelism. If you just go at this in your own strength, and your own personality, and your own abilities, it's only going to go so far. In fact, Jesus, um, Jesus, when he was, uh, after his death and his resurrection, Jesus is with his disciples, and he does some of the spirit, the great big spiritual phrase for this is he gives them a great commission. The commission is that they're going to go and tell everybody about the gospel of Jesus. They're going to tell everybody about the good news. And, but he does something. He says, but before you go, you need to do something. And this seems so counterintuitive. In fact, this is in Luke chapter 24, verse 49. He says, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Like he, he's, just, he's just commissioned them. Hey, I want you to go to all the world, blah, blah, blah. And, and they're like, all right, we're ready to go. But well, wait, before you go, you need the Holy Spirit. This goes along with, if you were here for our series, The God-Sized Vision, we talked about Acts chapter 1-8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Here, here's what I would say to you. And this is gonna be true of all the gifts we're gonna talk about. You can't do this in your own strength. You need the Holy Spirit. You say, well, how does that work practically? Every day when I wake up, I'm just going, Holy Spirit, thank you that you are in me and with me. Would you open my eyes today? Would you lead me? Would you help me to see the things that I need to see? Would you give me the courage that I need to have, maybe to have conversations with people that I don't want to have? God, would you, Holy Spirit, would you lead me? And I'm telling you, he will. He will. He'll give you perception. You'll have thoughts, and you'll be like, I would have never come up with that thought. It's probably the Holy Spirit leading you, if it's in alignment with Scripture, right? If it's to go and murder your neighbor, that's not a thought from the Holy Spirit, right? You, don't do that. Don't do that. You're looking for the thoughts that are in alignment with Scripture that you wouldn't normally have, right? Seek the Spirit. Okay, let's see if we can remember all of them. Don't look at your notes. Let's see if we can actually do this without looking at our notes. Tacos, T stands for? Tiny. A stands for? Yeah. 
C stands for? Creativity. You guys are good. O stands for? Openness. And S stands for? That one was behind me, wasn't it? So we, we gave you that freebie. That's good. That's all right. Here's the thing. When more and more people at Journey discover their gift and start stepping into this gift, we will consistently have people coming to know Jesus better. People in our church will constantly be sharing about Jesus, loving, reaching out, welcoming all kinds of people, and pointing others to him. And not only that, when you in this room who have this gift, and maybe it's not developed yet, maybe right now it's just kind of this, this little ember, as, as you begin to exercise this gift and you begin to walk in this gift, you will rub off on the rest of us. Scripture says that iron sharpens iron. And in Journey Church, and really in every church, especially in America, we need this gift to be red hot in our church. We need you. We need you to be exercising your gift. Because you challenge the rest of us to look for opportunities to open our mouths and to share our testimonies. And so sometimes when we hear about this, again, because of maybe the misperceptions or maybe the larger-than-life examples, uh, we, we just think some of you still are, are, are struggling with this idea, well, I could never, or I would never want to be that. And so I wanted to, before, before we close, we still have several things we need to do, so don't get too excited. Um, I wanted to give you a couple of examples from right here in our church of people who I believe have this gift of evangelism. And because I think it kind of makes us go, well, if they can do that, I can do that, right? The first one I want to tell you about, he comes to the second service every week, and most of you don't even know him. And uh, I've gotten to know him through, this is going to be a shameless plug, but Carrie and I uh, several weeks ago started leading a Bible study for young adults, ages 18 to 25. It's my struggle and my attempt at feeling younger. <laughs> every participant in that group, I am old enough to be their dad. And, and I love hanging out with them, and they're so smart, and they come up with such great, we, we have discussion, we're going through the Gospel of Luke, verse by verse, and if, you, if you're in that age group, or you know someone who's in that age group, it's every Wednesday in the student center, we'd love to have you come, it's an incredible group of, of young adults who are just so hungry for God, but one of the participants in that group uh, is a guy named Ben Weber, and Ben's sitting over there right now, and he's probably not liking if I, I think he's over there. Yeah, he's, he's really uncomfortable right now, probably starting to sweat a little bit. And uh, Ben is actually from Wadsworth. He moved to Fremont in September uh, to live in the student housing at Tara. He's a student at Tara. He's on their baseball team. And um, Ben uh, loves the students around him and wants them to know about Jesus. And so his approach is an approach that we see in Scripture of come and see. If I could get my friends to be around Jesus then maybe they'll just see how awesome Jesus is and the difference that he can make in their lives. And so I was talking to Ben this past week and I said, Ben, how many students have you invited to Journey Church? And he says, oh, I've probably invited about 20. He's been here since September. So I mean, you don't need to, yeah, okay, that's cool. I just wanna challenge you. Some of you have been coming for years and you've never invited somebody. And that's not, I'm, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just saying Ben has the gift of evangelism. Like he's, and he encourages me. He challenges me, right? So then I asked him, okay, you've invited about 20. Like, how many have actually come with you to Journey since September, since you've been inviting them? He goes, I think about 10. And they sit over there. They have this group of students. Often you guys rock. We're glad you guys are here. Hope you keep coming. And, uh, and, and I'm not trying to embarrass them, and I'm sure I already have. And so they're like, well, this is the last one you'll see us. <laughs> uh, I, hope, I hope that's not the case. 
But I just love the fact that an evangelist doesn't have to be some old person who screams at the top of their lungs. It doesn't, you know, if we think of an evangelist in a college campus, some of us who are older think of someone with a bullhorn, you know, standing in the middle of campus screaming at people to repent. It doesn't have to be that. You could be like Ben, who's just simply, if, if I could get you to come to church, I think you would hear about Jesus and you would hear about the love that he has for you and the forgiveness that he offers to you. Another person I think about in our church, he was actually here in the first service, so we can't embarrass him, is a guy named John Owens. I don't know if you guys know John. Uh, He's in his early 70s, and John uh, is past retirement, but uh, he chooses to work several days a week at Rural King. And the whole reason, this is the honest truth, the reason why he works at Rural King is to tell people about Jesus. And they know about this, and they're okay with this, right? So he does work while he's telling people about Jesus. But one of the things that you'll know about John, and I've heard this from several people I've told that I was going to do this. They're like, oh my gosh, yes. John, his, his commitment, and listen, John's life is not easy. He, he went through a season of extreme uh, medical issues, uh, even several months ago, working throughout this. But John's goal is that every person that, he, that comes into contact with him at Rural King, he's going to smile, and he's going to say, how are you doing? And John says that he's not looking for the people who are saying, I'm doing great, I'm doing good. He goes, I'm looking for the people who aren't doing so great. And he'll listen to them. And if the opportunity is available, he'll offer to pray for them right there at Rural King. He's prayed for so many people right there in Rural King. And he tries to find ways to bring the conversation around to Jesus. That he tells them about the difference that Jesus has made in his life. And his whole desire is to lead them to faith in Christ. I, I love John. I actually went to Rural King because I wanted to take a picture of him to put up here. And so I went in and I, and I didn't see him around. And so I asked one of the people, you know, who worked at Rural King, I'm like, uh, do you know where John Owens is? And they kind of looked at me blankly and I said, Big O? And they're like, oh yeah, we know where Big O is. We'll, we'll get radio him and get him out here. And, and while we were talking, just in the short time we were talking, I would see customers would go by and smile. How are you doing today? I just love that. That right where you are, you don't, when we say the, the gift of the evangelist, it doesn't mean that you now become a vocational minister for the gospel of Christ and start wearing a suit and spitting at people like I do, I guess. Like exactly the way God has wired you with the personality that he's given you, you can begin to exercise and develop this gift. And God is gonna use you to make our church so much better than we are right now. But here, here's a caution. The evangelist is not the end-all, be-all for the church. The evangelist is one piece of the puzzle. And with their unique perspective, and with the unique perspective of those who have apostolic gifts, and prophetic gifts, and shepherding gifts, and teaching gifts, when we each bring our unique perspectives and strengths together, a picture is going to emerge. If you'll stick around over the next couple of weeks, a picture is going uh, to emerge that is going to showcase the glory of God in a powerful way. So maybe today was a dud for you. Like you walked in and you're like, not feeling any of that. I know that's not my gift. That's okay. Probably for four-fifths of you, it probably isn't. But keep coming back. Because I really believe that if you'll keep coming back, one of these gifts, you're going to be sitting there and you're going to go, that's me. I had a person after the first service, they're like, the whole service, I was thinking, that's me. And I'm like, yes, that's why we did it. We did it for you. There's a whole bunch of people that were bored out of their minds the whole time. But we did it for you. You got to keep coming back if you were bored out of your mind.
Okay, so there's two things I still need to do. First of all, I can't talk about evangelism and then just dismiss you and say, have a nice life. We talked about the good news of Jesus. That the good news is an answer to the bad news. The good news is an answer to the sin problem that we each have. And maybe as we were talking about that, you're sitting here and you're going, I've sinned against God. I don't know Jesus the way that I should. Jesus is not leading my life. I've, I don't believe I've ever asked him to forgive me of my sins, to be the master and leader of my life. Can I just tell you, today is your morning. Like it doesn't, you don't have to go through a class. You don't have to jump through hoops. You don't have to become a member of this church. Right where you are, you can pray a simple, heartfelt prayer and your whole eternity can be changed. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna have you stand up. In a few weeks, actually in two weeks, we're having baptisms and baptisms is a public way of going, uh, going public with your faith and demonstrating what God has done inside of you. But I'm gonna ask all over this room if you would close your eyes and bow your heads and we're gonna give people an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And if you've already said yes to Jesus, this is a great time just to pray for the people around you and, and ask God to lead in a powerful way this morning. But if you're here and you say, Ken, I don't know Jesus. Regardless of how religious you are, irreligious you've been, or what churches you've been a member of, or what good things you've done in your life, I'm not asking you, are you a good person? Most of us in this room are good people. I'm asking, have you come to a place of recognizing your need for Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to be the master and leader of your life? Have you surrendered your life to him and said, Jesus, I've tried leading my life and I've, I've made a mess. Would you come and forgive me, lead me? With no one looking around, I'm not gonna embarrass you in any way. If that's you, would you just simply raise your hand and when I acknowledge you, you can just lower it. Anybody here today? Yeah, I see you. I see you. I see you, yep. Anybody else? Yep, I see you right over there. Anybody else that would say that's me? Give me just one more moment. Anybody else? Yeah, I see you. Anybody else? If you raise your hand, I want you to know you are so loved. You're so loved. God so loves you. Doesn't matter what you did yesterday. It doesn't matter what's been done to you by others. God loves you. He's with you. And right under your breath, right where you're sitting, you could just pray a prayer just like this or in your own words. Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. That you are risen from the dead that you have the authority and power to forgive me of my sins. I'm asking you to take my life, forgive me, and lead me. Show me how to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, first of all, he hears you. Even if it was just muttering it under your breath, he hears you, he sees you, he loves you. So if you would help me out on your connection card that uh, Bob talked about earlier, that blue connect card, the very bottom there's a place that says my next step. If you would just check that box, maybe for you, you're starting a relationship with Jesus or you're reaffirming a relationship with Jesus on the bottom of that connect card, 
you can mark that and that would really be helpful. Now I told you we're going to do two things. That was the first thing. The second thing is we're going to do something today that's probably going to make some of you really excited and it's going to make some of you super uncomfortable and that's okay. Between what Bob had to say about nursing homes and what we've been talking about in sharing our faith, we wanted to give you an exercise. And listen, I know we are all busy and I know we all have a hundred things to do. But for a lot of us in this room, our Sundays have been about football, and there's no football games on today, so you're welcome. And so, and for others that don't care about football, and I know there's many of you, um, I'm going to challenge every person in this room to, when you leave this morning, out in the lobby, you'll see four different tables. One, if you look above people's heads, you'll see a sign, and you'll see a sign on the table. One says Green Springs, one says Clyde. One says East Fremont and one says West Fremont. We're going to ask, I'm going to really push you to do this, okay? I know some of you are going to go, I don't want to do this. I'm going to push you to do this. We called around to the local nursing homes. and We said, can we get a list of the people who aren't regularly visited? Listen, we've been talking about the God-sized vision. These are Samaritans. These are people like us, but they're not like us. They're people who would love to have a visit. And you know, during COVID, we said we would give anything to be able to visit the people in the nursing homes. And now we can, and we go, I'd rather get to lunch quicker, right? So out in the lobby, we have tables full of vases of roses, and on each vase is a name of a facility, and you can go to the ones, you know, if you're going toward Green Springs, maybe you're going to Tiffin, if maybe you could drive through Green Springs on your way, or whatever location, on the on the vase is the name of an individual, is uh, the name, the room number, the name of the facility, and it gives some instructions, you know, well, don't go, try not to go between this time because they're at lunch or whatever. And, and I'm just going to challenge you. I know it's going to take you out of your way. I know it's going to be extra time. I know you had all kinds of plans, and you've already gone to church, so you already checked that off the box. I just want to push you that if you can, if you would go visit someone today, and your visit, and you don't have to stay for hours. In fact, please don't. But your short visit could change their whole day, their whole week. I promise you, for some of these people on Tuesday, they'll still be talking to the people who come in their room, who serve them, about that, that rose on their nightstand that's already drooping and starting to wilt, and about the kind gentleman who came and gave it to them. So here's what you do. You just walk in the room, because I know some of you are like, what do I do? We made it easy with the rose, right? You go in the room, say, are you John? Yeah, I'm John. Hey, I'm Ken, and I just wanted you to know that you're seen and you're loved, and I wanted you to have this rose. Now, some of you are going, that's weird giving a guy a rose. It's not for old people, okay? Okay, I don't care. The guys will still be, they'll still be cool with it. I just wanted you to know that you're loved, you're seen, or whatever, whatever words you want to use, you be you. And then here's what I want you to do. Don't ask them. Just simply say, John, what can I pray for for you today? And then you pray. Now, some of you are going, I've never prayed out loud in my life. That's all right. John doesn't know that. You don't have to pray like me. It doesn't have to be a long prayer. God, I pray for John. Would you bless him? Would you help him? In Jesus' name. I mean, it doesn't have to be hard, okay? It doesn't have to be long. Just make it heartfelt and real, right? So put you on the spot. How many of you say, we're going to do that today? We're going to do that on our way home. Yeah, we're going to do that, okay? Now, here's the thing. There are a lot of roses out there because a lot of people from the first service snuck out of here without taking one. And I'm really disappointed. <laughs> all right? So, but you guys, this is why you guys are our favorite service. Pastor Aaron and I tell you this all the time. We tell you this all the time. 
And so we know you guys are going to do this. Some of you, if you have, if you have time, because there's so many that are out there, and maybe in the same facility, you could, you could visit several people. Maybe you're a family. And so, hey, the boys are going to go to this room. The girls are going to go to this room. Or however it would work out. Maybe you can take several. That would, honestly, it would be really helpful if you could even take several. You guys all cool with it? Stay on your feet. We're going to get you out of here. We've got some flowers to deliver, right? Hey, this week... May you know that you are loved by your Heavenly Father and may you look for opportunities to share His love with others. God bless you. We'll see you later.